Sound. Sound. We're on. Thanks. Great to be back again, and uh, great to be with everyone again. And uh, we had just an amazing time up in uh, Taiwan, and uh, just I uh, had an opportunity and a great honor to, uh, over the years, I've built relationships with pastors and leaders in Taiwan. God has given me an open door of immense favor there in the nation, and a remarkable favor. And as a result of that, connections that I have there, I was able to arrange for Apostle Maldonado from Miami and a team to come there. And man, do we have a time. Uh, initially, when we were doing the planning, it was uh, they were nervous about how this would be, and uh, but I don't recommend things lightly. I, and, and in the end, I said to them, I said, I've been coming 14 years. Have I recommended anyone in that time? And they said, Well, no, not really. So, well, I'm recommending this one. Have them. And uh, anyway, we had a number of meetings and and had them come, and and then the the place was just jam packed. It's hard to describe an experience. But getting in the meetings where the power of God came, meeting after meeting, there was not a meeting without miracles, not one. It didn't matter who was preaching. Every meeting, there were miracles took place. There was tremendous liberty. We had about this, this, the, the venue at that stage. They, they couldn't get the bigger venues. So they had a venue that seated uh, 1,500, and it was just jam-packed. And uh, Maldonado bought his team from America, and uh, even though some of the songs were in English, nevertheless, they were of a simplicity and a style that enabled everyone to just get going. They had some translated into Mandarin, and uh, the rest of the time, they just kept the, 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 the music. They had very, very simple, very easy, very joyful, very powerful, and a tremendous atmosphere of God. So the night meetings were, would have been about three hours, no less than three hours, which when you say it sounds really a long time, but when you're in it, it's, oh my God, is it over already? You know, just the presence of God and amazing worship that people entered into. And uh, we had tremendous miracles, you know, just the power of God was released. We so need in our nation a restoration of the power of God. We just need God to come. You know, the, the, the church, all through, the, all through history, God has demonstrated himself as a supernatural God. And when you settle for something less, when you settle for a life without any miracles, without the presence, without something happening, you have settled for something different to what God intended. Don't settle down. Don't settle. Don't be happy with something different. Don't be happy with what we have. We haven't got enough to change our city. We need more. So we, we had miracles. We had a lady there who had, uh, had an operation and lost one breast. The breast grew in one of the meetings. Now, it's just phenomenal. And uh, we had others. It was a lady with a tumour uh, pressing on her brain. had lost a lot of the use of her brain and affected her body. The tumour totally disappeared. She immediately knew she was okay. We had a guy there, and I watched it happening. He was deaf in one ear since birth. He just didn't have in his ear what was needed to hear, and he was a miracle. He, and it was a creative miracle where they just got open up his ear, but he was able to hear 
perfectly. We had many, many people who were deaf got to hear, and we had a whole number of miracles, all kinds of things. Uh, I couldn't understand the testimonies, unfortunately, because all in Chinese, but people were incredibly excited. Last night, uh, the, he spoke on the glory of God, and we had extended time of worship. The power of God came, and people just surged for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of young people wanting an encounter with God, wanting the fire of God. In fact, they were so hungry for God that we had to form a line across the front of the stage to stop them thronging and swarming the stage. That's how hungry people were for God. And they just came and the power of God fell on them. I saw literally, if you look on my Facebook, you'll see it, just hundreds of people just coming down under the power of God all at once. And then people, I haven't seen it since the days of Jill Austin, just the fire of God on people, people being uh, released into an encounter with God, people having open encounters with heaven, people being activated in their giftings, just a fire coming into the nation. And uh, the, 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 the pastors are just absolutely excited. Uh, at short notice, there's a whole group of them have hopped on a plane to go to the Fivefold Conference in Miami uh, next week and are just hungry for more. Pretty well everyone that I'm connecting with now is gravitating into this ministry because it carries uh, the supernatural power of God. So it's just tremendous that we have this opportunity. He's coming to New Zealand. And uh, this is not just about a conference, not just about a meeting. Uh, one of the things that happened in Taiwan is uh, the pastors all came together, began to pray. There's a tremendous move of unity. And I think that's been a big part of the power of God falling. Uh, yesterday, we met pastors here. And uh, there's, there's, there's one mind one heart to come support the event. Everyone is hungry for more of God. So we need to be believing God, praying for, a, for the power of God to come. Every time God comes, it comes in a different way. So when we first came to Hastings, the power of God flowed. Uh, the first year we were here, we had a visitation and there was a mighty deliverance move. And that what God gave us in that move that year, I have carried all over the world. You, when, when you have an encounter with God, something in you is transformed, something inside you, there's an impartation, and you're never the same again. That's why we need encounters. Just head knowledge cannot save you. It cannot change you. Only the power of God can change us. And so, uh, so then we had in uh, 1993, we brought Jill Austin in, and we had a fresh wave of God, a fresh opening of the heavens. And as a result of that, a move of God went from here right through CO see right through the whole world. So that means in, in just our season here, 30 years, there has been two moves of God which have gone from here and influenced nations of the earth. Now, I'm believing for a third one. As we've handed over leadership to Pastor Dave and Kate, we need a fresh move of God. And God has given me the connection, the divine connection uh, with uh, Apostle Maldonado. I'll be working with him in 10 days' time. We're up in KL. We've arranged another conference there. That one there, there's 3,000 pastors and leaders coming together, and there'll be uh, thousands upon thousands of people for Miracle Crusades at night. And then we'll be down here at the end of August. So let's be in prayer. Let's be expectant. Let's be hungry. Listen, only if you're hungry do you really get anything from God. There needs to be a hunger. And spiritual hunger, let me just give you a, something Apostle Malnada said. It's, it's obvious, and yet you, it's when you hear it, you think, oh, that's brilliant. I, I think I knew that. But anyway, here it is. Uh, if you, hunger, we just think about hunger. If you stop eating food, you get hungry. Is that right, physical hunger? With the spiritual things, exactly the opposite. You have to start to eat, and as you eat, you get more hungry. 
So in other words, we need to press in and start to engage God in prayer as we uh, reach out and draw more on His presence and start to apply ourselves to Him. the Word of God, then hunger deepens. So I'm wanting hunger to increase in our lives. I have no intention of just letting passion die. I want passion to revive and come alive. We're not, you know, I was just talking just before the meeting with Matt Charlton, and uh, he's saying, well, you know, retirement's not in, retirement is not a word that's found in many languages in the world. How about that? It's just a weird Western thing. See, there's no such thing in the kingdom of God as retirement. There's just a new assignment. A new assignment. Amen? Come on, let's give a lot of clap. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. <laughs> going to be an awesome time. And uh, we had uh, time with people. Uh, first week, we did uh, a whole week of meetings, morning and night. So I was into it with a vengeance and had hundreds saved, hundreds of people delivered. Great power moves of God. Second week, we met with people, business people, uh, artists, singers, uh, musicians, all kinds of people. Had a chance to pray for them, minister to them. And then the last few days with a conference. And oh, I'm just excited. Hallelujah. I want you to open your Bible with 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. And uh, <clears throat> I want to share with you something. I, I shared somewhat uh, the other night at the, with the musicians, but I want to pick it up a little different focus today. And uh, I want to talk about the blessing and power of humility. The blessing and power of humility. And you don't hear many messages about that, do you? But anyway, you'll get one today. It'll help you because uh, I have felt the Lord bring to my mind and my heart an awareness of how important it is that we become clothed with humility. It's one of the things that brings us into blessing and enlargement in the kingdom. So 1 Peter chapter 5, I want to read verse 5 through to 9. And I, I shared this the other night with the musicians because as we uh, reach into God for greater amounts of His presence, as we come into fresh encounters with God, one of the things that happens is if there are things which are broken, things which are shattered, things which are unclean, things which are wrong in your life, they will come to the surface. You get a light in a room and you put a 25 watt light bulb up, you don't see much. You may see the room, but you don't see the cobwebs. You don't see the spiders. Put a 100-watt light bulb, now you see it all. It's all there. So as we draw near and as the church readies itself for something fresh in God, there will be an exposure of things in our heart. There will be things that come to the surface. They're never easy, they, but this is the opportunity for growing, the opportunity for change. Anyway, I want to talk to you about one of the most important things for us to do is to make a decision to put on humility as a way of life as we prepare for change and enlargement. Here it is, let's read here in verse five. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to your elder. Oh, that's great, isn't it? See, there's humility right there. And yes, all of you be submitted one to another. So it's not just about younger and older, it's also about all of us to one another. In other words, it's a way of rightly relating to people that affirms they are valuable. It's not about looking down on any person, rather seeing the value of every person. So it's, and if you submit it to someone, it means you are open in your heart to receive from them because they have something of value. I was in a meeting, uh, I went around to a, a place, a, bus, a business lady who helped pay for the operation that I had, and uh, I met with her and her husband for a meal. 
and uh, there were two pastors and two of us were invited for the meal and the husband didn't want to come. He's not a Christian. He wasn't interested in coming to a, a meal in his home with two pastors. However, it was the first visitors they were having. They'd just come into the home and so his wife prevailed on him and he came in and we had the meal together. And so it's very clear he's not a Christian and I thought, Lord, how can I engage with him? And so humility will enable you to get your eyes off yourself and enter the world of someone else. By the time we had finished, he was pouring his heart out. His wife was in shock. He opened up and shared things about his life. He never shared with her all his life. There's things that she never knew anything about and he's opening his heart because he felt safe and welcome and received. That's what humility does. Makes it possible for people to connect into your world and to open up their hearts and be in, have an encounter with God. So he's on the journey. So in 1 Peter 5 verse 9, so therefore it says, be submitted one to another, be clothed with humility. So you chose what you came dressed in today. We can dress up, dress down. You can dress any way you like. I dressed up, thought I'd wear a suit today. I like the suit and I like blue. You can choose every day when you go into the world what attitude you'll put on. And your attitude will always show so if someone is clothed with humility, it's always seen and it's very attractive. Someone's clothed with pride, it's also very visible and it's very not attractive, unattractive. Okay, so it says be clothed with, pride, clothed with humility. Four, and here's the reason why, because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We'll come back to all of this shortly. And then he says, he talks about then uh, something else. He says, this is, what an, this is the attitude you need to put on because there is a spiritual warfare you are involved in. There is no exception. All are involved in a spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare means very simply, there is an unseen spirit world. There are spirit beings in there hostile to you and their desire is to remove you from the presence of God, from your assignment to make your life frustrated, burdened, powerless in bondage. So it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom may devour, whom resists steadfast in faith, knowing the same afflictions are brought upon you, or sufferings are brought upon your brethren in the world. So notice what it's telling us there. You have an adversary. You have someone who's called an adversary. That word means literally an opponent at law, someone who searches to find your faults and failings. His focus is your weak spots. His focus are the hidden areas. His focus are the secret areas of your life. And it says, he walks about. That means literally to travel with you as a companion, to move around with you, observing you, watching you, to see where you're vulnerable so he can have a strategy against you. It says he walks about like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion, he's just like one. Lions roar so they can intimidate. When a lion roars, small animals usually freeze in terror. They don't do what they need to do to escape and they get devoured. He says, he walks about like a roaring lion seeking. The word seek means literally to form a strategy and a plan. So now he's saying why we need to be clothed with humility and why we need to stand up and fight. He says, because your destiny, your assignment is at stake. Your marriage is at stake. Your family is at stake. Your finances are at stake. In fact, all the blessings God has intended for you are at stake. If you fail in this warfare, it will manifest in your personal life and relationships. 
So he's saying very simply, you have an assignment from God. Develop a heart attitude of humility because God will stand with you if you have that heart attitude. He will support you and ensure that you break through and win. So it says, you're still required to do something. That is to be sober or clear-headed, to be on the alert for the attitudes of your own heart and the influences on your own life. And then to take a stand and be resistant. You can't just be passive in this battle. We can't just, oh, well, I guess. You can't have that kind of attitude. Can't have a sort of a slack, she'll be right attitude. That will not work. In the kingdom of God, you must know where you're going, know what you're believing for, and, and, and don't lie down and let light roll over you. We need to be men and women of prayer that step up and believe we have authority to push back in the spirit world and see blessing come on our lives, our marriage, families, and into the community. So someone's future depends on you breaking through, on you being able to get over yourself. Amen, amen. Now, the, who's the person writing this? Who is the person writing it? Oh, it was pretty hard to get, isn't it? First letter of Peter. Okay, so we got it, it's Peter. We worked out it's Peter. Now, what I realised as I was meditating and thinking about this is the very language he uses here comes out of an encounter he had in his life. It comes out of a time of terrible failure. So when Peter is writing, he's not writing just, hey, here's something you guys need to catch on to. He's writing saying something like this. I suffered a humiliating defeat that would have ended my life's assignment, except for the grace of God. I was so distressed and broken through that defeat that I had to learn what was needed to win next time it came round. And he said, so what I'm writing to you here is what I learned from my defeat. Now I wanna show you, I'm gonna take you back. We'll look at just the, the key things in this passage here. I could focus many on things, but I just wanna pick up the attitude of humility. But before we get to that, I wanna see Peter's defeat. You need to see how and why he got defeated. See, so you learn not to do the same. Eh? Oh, tell someone next to you, they need to listen to this. Okay, we go to Luke, Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Luke 22, here it is. Okay, and we read verse 31. 31 through to verse 34. Now, here is Jesus is about to, uh, to suffer on the cross and die. And before he does, uh, there's an engagement with his disciples. So first of all, we're gonna read what he said to, to Peter. And here's what he said to Peter. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you. And that word asked means, he has requested, he has desired, and he has obtained permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith does not fail. And afterwards, when you're converted, then strengthen your brethren. 1 Peter 5 is Peter strengthening the brethren. What he's doing is he's putting encouragement into them. He's putting wisdom into them that he learned from what happens now. Jesus given him a heads up. He said, literally saying this, in the spirit world, you are noticeable. Because you have an assignment, a call of God, you stand out in the spirit world. Satan is interested in you. What is he interested in doing? He has required and obtained permission to sift you like wheat. What does that mean? 
Well, if you know what they do with wheat, they go up on a hill and they get the wheat and there's a bit of a, they wait till there's a wind and then they shake it all up now. They literally throw it up into the air like this, repeatedly throw it and toss it. And the wind carries away the chaff, the wheat falls to the ground and they gather up the wheat. And he said, that's what the devil's wanting to do to you. He's wanting to give your life a one great shakeover. Not a makeover, a shakeover. And every one of us at times will experience shakeovers in our life. Problems, pressures, difficulties, hardships, things that won't go away, things that seem overwhelming, things that seem too much. They can be from God. They can be because of our silliness. They can be because demonic spirits are working and pressing you to shake you up. Jesus said the devil comes, but there's nothing in me for him to lock on to. But pride will allow the devil to lock on to us. Look at Peter's reply and see what he says. And it gives away what the problem is that he, and the reason he's being shaken up. And it says here in verse, uh, he says, Oh, oh, Lord, eh? listen. He said, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. You can count on me. Count on me. He can count on me. So that's what he's virtually saying. And, Peter said, and Jesus said to him, I'm telling you, Peter, for the, 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 the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me three times. So he gives him a warning. He just doesn't, doesn't even enter into a discussion with him. He just tells him. Pride is showing in his heart. Now, the whole context that this is written in is a situation that is one centered on pride. That's why he takes such a strong line with it in, in the book of Peter. Here, let's have a look what it starts off with. That's what it starts off with here. Because the Bible tells us, Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, haughty spirit before a fall. If you see someone who fell, then you know there was pride. Okay? Uh, verse, uh, Proverbs 11, 2, when pride comes, then shame. You know that you suffer humiliating defeats and lose face and, and get, have setbacks you can't seem to get over. And the root cause frequently is pride. Now, notice what the, the, the context is here. In verse 24, there was a dispute among them who would be the, who considered the greatest. And he said, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. Those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but it shall not be so among you. On the contrary, rather, he says, you, who is the greatest? Let him be like the younger. And who is the one who governs? Let him be as one who serves. Who's the greater? The one that sits at the table, the one who serves. Isn't it the one that sits at the table? Yet I am here as a servant. Now, what he's saying is, notice now, the whole context of this thing with Peter is they're all having an argument who will be the greatest. And he'll be considered the greatest. In other words, they're worried about how they look before people. They're concerned about getting reputation. They're concerned about being important. It's all about me. And, they, and not only that, they're having a, an argument about it. Because whenever there's pride, you'll find there is striving and a competitive spirit. Because pride in the heart cannot trust God to get me there. It says, I've got to beat this other one. That's the only one I'm getting ahead. So pride will always bring the church into competition one with another instead of cooperation one with another. If you're in, co-op, if you're in competition with people, then pride is in your heart. You're not trusting that God can meet your needs. You've got to beat someone so you can get ahead. You don't need to get, beat someone to get ahead. God can get you ahead without any help. See? 
See, that's one of the benefits of humility. God gets you ahead. So the competition here is who is going to be the greatest. So Jesus points out that in the world system, pride showing itself by looking superior, looking for positions, trying to rule over people is what dominates the culture. Pride dominates the culture. And he says, on the contrary in the kingdom, if you want to go forward in the kingdom, the kingdom is characterized by the attitude of humility and serving. He says, and then he asks a question, hey, if you go to a restaurant, tell me who's the more important person, the one sitting getting the meal or the one who's doing the waiting on the tables? Who's the important one? Eh? The one sitting at the seat here getting the honor, you know. So I sit down, just order this, order this, order this. And someone's waiting on me and looking after me. Isn't that nice to do that? I've been to a place like that. Very, very nice. Uh, if you're a waiter, then you're looking, how can I meet your need? You do this, you take the plates, you do all the, du- the dumb stuff. See? You do all the stuff that no one else wants to do. Clear the table, clear the mess, change the thing, go out and clean the dishes. You do all that kind of That's what a waiter does. And he says now, he says, I am here among you like one who serves. So he said, I'm giving you an example. This is what the kingdom is like. Its, it's foundational characteristic is humility that expresses itself through a willingness to serve. Serving is not just something you do for a little while so you can get ahead. Serving is the kind of life you live that comes out of a heart of humility. That's why he's saying, if you're older, be like the younger. In that culture, older people respected, younger people despise. You know, be seen and not heard. He's saying, no, if you're an older person, don't be arrogant, don't look down on the younger people, but rather be like the younger and find a way to help and to serve them. He said, if you're uh, someone who's in a position to have influence over people, then don't use it for your own advantage, but rather serve people with it. You understand that's what he's saying. In other words, he's addressing the culture. He's saying that the culture of the world centers on pride, called the pride of life, but the kingdom is characterized by something else. That's why in Philippians 2 verse 3, it says, let this mind or way of thinking be in you, which was also in Jesus. Don't let any man think of himself more highly than he ought, but rather let everyone think of others. So it's a mentality that's not self-centered. It's a mentality that considers others. They understand you've got to put it on. It doesn't come on naturally. What comes on naturally? Me first. What doesn't come on naturally is humility. I will serve. I will help invest into your life. I'll help you get ahead. I will help you succeed. I will be a blessing to you. I'll add value to you. Now you understand, you can come into a church and have many spiritual experiences, but if you don't put on humility and serve, it hasn't done you any good. It hasn't transformed you. You enjoyed the experience, but the experience wasn't transforming. Experiences with God are meant to transform us. They're meant to bring shifts internally that change how we interact with life and the world. If, if you have experiences without having a transformation, something is wrong on the inside. You haven't actually got a grasp of what it's all about. Now, I want to share with you. So, so we see there what happens in that and how Jesus warns Peter. And, of course, Peter's very proud and so on. But a little while later, there it is down there, only a few verses later, they arrested Jesus. And then later on, <coughs> verse uh, 59, 
About an hour had passed, someone confidently affirmed, saying, oh, you're with Jesus. He's a Galilean too. He said, man, I don't know what you're saying. And immediately while he's still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. I wonder how he looked at him. <laughs> you know, like that, no. <laughs> I told you. I told you. Did he do it like that? No, I don't think he looked like that at all. I think he looked on him with deep love and compassion and Peter's heart was absolutely smitten. Here it is, only a little while, about a couple of hours before, and he's boldly saying he'll follow Jesus anywhere. Like many people that come up in altar calls, like many Christians, will follow you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. But when pressure comes, when difficulty comes, when opposition comes, when resistance comes, when people misunderstand you, then we start to draw back. And we may not deny him with our lips, but we can deny him with our works the way we live our life. And when we live a life that dishonors Jesus, then people blaspheme him because they see you and have an excuse to turn against this God. In other words, we've taken his name in vain. So what happens to Peter? Peter's suddenly smitten. The Bible tells us in, in, in the book of Matthew, he not only denied Jesus, he began to swear and curse as well. He began to swear. It just, he's a fisherman. They know how to swear. So he's not in the spirit anymore. He's just swearing and cursing and muttering and mumbling. And, and it's probably in the middle of cursing and swearing is when Jesus turned his head around. <laughs> See, it's that look. Some people can do the look. It's the look that goes right across a room. You look, oh. Suddenly men wither. <laughs> it's a look. I think it was a look of compassion. And the result of that look of compassion was his heart broke in sadness and sorrow. And he went away and grieved and repented. Now this is the man, the broken man, who's been restored by Jesus that is writing the message in 1 Peter. No wonder he's saying, oh, put on humility. Oh, humble yourself. Oh, be clothed with pride. I remember when I was very proud and boy, did I end up on my face in the mud. So be clothed with humility. Okay, let's just go back into that 1 Peter 5 and I'll just give you a few keys out of it that just really just help me, help me. And you never get over being proud. You've got to constantly keep yourself before the Lord. Isn't that right? And notice it says here, it says, <clears throat> go back into 1 Peter chapter 5. You younger, submit yourselves to the older. That, that's, that's, uh, that's exactly like uh, humility. Be submissive one to another. That's like humility. Be clothed with humility. There's humility. Humble yourself. God gives grace to the humble. There's the word humble is mentioned three times and then a references to it are mentioned twice. That's five times in two verses. He's mentioning humility. Do you think it means it's important? It's like Peter saying, man, I really blew it. I really blew it. I had all these opportunities and I blew it because it was just as pride of my life and God resists the proud. Oh, he gives grace to the humble. So he talks about then the need for this. And I want to just give you just some insights just on there, just to help you understand what the, the value of it is. So you notice here it says that God resists the proud. In other words, he puts himself in your way so you can't go forward. You just get frustrated and life is hard. When you're in the flow of blessing, life flows like a river. It's wonderful. When, some, when there's an adversity, then life is hard. It's like 
it's like everything's going difficult for you. It's like pushing water uphill. It's just really struggling. And God is not allowing you to progress. And sometimes he'll permit demonic spirits to push against you. And the goal of it is to bring you to humility and dependence on God. Humility, dependence on God. They go hand in hand. They're synonymous with one another. So notice he said, God will resist the proud, but he will give grace to the humble. So what is grace that God gives? Grace is supernatural power. It's the empowerment to overcome. It's the empowerment to change. You got trouble changing? Don't think making a New Year's resolution is gonna change you. You know you've done that year after year. It didn't work because it relies on the power of the will. What's needed to change us is God's supernatural influence. I need God. I need to experience you. I need to encounter you because only that will change me. You can't change yourself. You're changed by the Spirit of God. You're changed from glory to glory by the Spirit, not by struggling harder. That's what goes wrong in so many Christians. They start off by trusting in Christ and then they try harder to be a better person. How can you do it? You can't do it. It requires encountering the presence of God. It requires the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit enables you to change. The power of the Holy Spirit enables you to overcome temptation. The power of the Holy Spirit enables you to serve God. How do you think I keep going? It's not because I'm more committed than anyone. It's about the relationship with God and His power that enables it. It's all about the grace of God. And God gives grace to humble people. He looks for those who approach Him with a certain posture. Humility has a posture. Pride and arrogance have a posture as well. Haughty, head lifted, sniffing the air, looking down their nose at everyone. Hey? But humility has a posture. It's an attitude towards God that then overflows in an attitude to people because you're grateful for what God has done. Now, if we want to see what humility is like, sometimes it helps to see what the opposite is like. So pride has got a lot of faces. Let me give you a few of them. Now, of course, this is probably someone you know. As I, as I go through this list, I'm sure you'll say, oh, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. In fact, as I go through the list, I think you'll probably put a name alongside every one of the things I come up with. You say, oh, that's right, that's him, that's her. Oh, that's, oh, God, it's, it's my husband. You'll just go right down. I mean, that's the first thing, because some, something in us wants to apply it always to someone else. I should get them the tape. They should hear this message. You need this. And what kind of attitude does that present? I am better than you. I see your faults and I have something that will help you. You need this. See, you can be think you're serving people and actually it's arrogance and pride and it hurts people because it comes through with a terrible attitude that looks down on them, makes them feel inferior, and, 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 and they don't like that. I think you know what you can do with your CD. Okay, so let's have a... I'll just list a few of them. I won't go into any detail of them. I'll just, here we go. So, so selfish ambition, just me get ahead. Look out for myself. Self-promotion. People talk and promote themselves. You hear what I did. Hear my latest. Hear what I bought. Hear what I've done. Self-promotion. 
promoting ourselves. Usually when we promote ourselves, we demote someone else by talking about all their faults. Oh, they're not much good at that. I mean, but if I was in that, I'd be able to do a much better job. I know that. You know, I don't know what... Well, I mean, if I was the Prime Minister, I'm sure I'd do a better job. I mean, like, just terrible job. See, it's all, that's what it looks like. It's very self-centered. It's demanding. So you find a demanding person, you get with them, you get tired because of all the demands they put on you. Oh, that's pride. That's pride. It's all about me. It's all about me. You know, desires uh, recognition. So, so here's the problem with pride. It'll always want to be recognized. So it'll serve, uh, it'll, it'll come and serve. But if you don't acknowledge it or overlook acknowledging it, then it gets upset. See? Because what I was really doing, I wanted to be noticed. You didn't say thank you. And so, of course, if there's pride in the heart, what do people also do? They're easily offended. You notice people easily offended? Pride. Pride. Get easily offended. You find someone easily offended, there's pride driving their heart. Yeah, that's what goes on. They get the snitch. They get offended. They build a wall. You can tell what it is. See? Uh, pride, pride will cause you to focus on what you look on the outside and ignore your heart, ignore the inside. So pride, uh, uh, pride's always focused on appearances, how good I look. Did I look good? Did I look good? Look good. Yeah? See, uh, pride is also has mindsets. It's stubborn mindsets. This is how it is. This is what it'll be. So pride's always fixed on mindsets. This is how it is. Well, this is the way we've always done it. I don't see why we should ever change. Oh my, that's pride. See, it is, it's, just, it's just a problem, you see. And, and of course, because there's mindsets, then people get stubborn. They don't want to change. They don't want to make any changes. In fact, you talk about change. No, why should we change? We, no, we don't need to change. This worked very, very well. We should have the same song. I remember we said, I first heard this 30 years ago and it blessed me. We should have it now. <laughs> Hello, what? You, what? The world has changed in 30 years. It's moved on. This is another world. So the church must change to stay connected and be able to be relevant to it. So of course, another thing comes with pride is stagnation because people are not receiving revelation, not, receive, not open to let God change them, then they stagnate. So you ask them for their testimony. Tell me, share your testimony. Well, about 25 years ago, and I was praying and God broke through. And you think, what? 25 years, what? And it's been happening in 25 years. That's horrendous. What happened last week? I don't know, nothing much. What about the week before? Nothing much. What about last month? No, no, okay. no, no. 25 years ago, I had a great breakthrough though. Oh, wow. What have you been doing for 25 years? You know, you ever see a, a pond, a, a, a pond, a river has got flowing water, water in, water out. Stagnant pond is just, I've seen them. They get frogs in them and mosquitoes. And if you get around, hang around them, they bite you. So you don't want to be stagnant because you'll end up like a swamp with mosquitoes and frogs and you'll be biting people. And we feel very bad being around you, see? That's what happens when there's pride. Stagnant, no change. Because they have no changes, the Bible says no fear or respect or reverence or humility. No respect for God. Now, people who are proud become defensive. So the moment you try to raise something, now suddenly they're on the defensive. And now they're angry. You went to try and help solve something and now they're angry and they're criticizing and they're, really, and they're blaming you. You say, what happened? Pride. Pride. Pride's very, very defensive. Won't listen. It reacts if you try to bring any adjustments or change, which is, of course, why some people remain stagnant because they've got no one can speak into their life. No one can talk to them. Why? Because of pride. Reactions. See, someone, when was the last time someone spoke to you and pointed out something that wasn't your, you weren't looking your best light? How did you feel about that? Get the huff. 
you got offended. That's right. Why'd you get offended? Oh, because you're defensive. Oh, why are you defensive? Oh, it's pride. <laughs> Pride's the one sin that no one owns up to. Don't mind owning up to another one. Oh, I sort of got a bit terse. Oh, you got angry. Oh, oh, yeah, but there's no pride in here. It's the one thing I'm really proud of is I'm humble. <laughs> so, of course, the people who got pride, they become critical. Find someone critical, they're judging, there's pride in the heart. A superior attitude. Now, superior attitude is everywhere. Even if you're not a superior person, you can still have a superior attitude. A superior attitude where is there's something about you that's better than others, which you have to point out. And so it goes everywhere. It goes in every culture of the world is riddled with pride, where people think they're better than others. See? So the North Islanders think they're better than the South Islanders. Well, we're not. We're all in the same place. We're all the same people. See? Men think they're better than women. That's a problem. Many men do. Many men do. And it's shown, you know, they would never say that. You just feel it. <laughs> and then when you try to raise it, highly defensive. Hello. Get in the picture. And then, then there's a breakdown in talks. Offended. Get in the picture. It's quite easy to find this stuff. You know what to look for. It's more frequent. It's more common than you realise. Is that right? Because how many know someone already? We all know <laughs> Uh, because pride produces strife. It produces conflicts. You can't bring unity where there's pride because people won't give way. They want their own way. Eh? And it's my way. <laughs> uh, so, so where there's pride, there'll be rebellion. You can't relate to authorities. You can't relate to God properly. There's all this kind of thing. Wherever you've got pride, there's independence. Uh, pride will never admit a need. Pride will never actually be dependent or open up or pride will stop people coming together because they can't open up their heart and be true and be vulnerable. They've got to cover everything. And pride leads people to be manipulative and controlling. Pride uses people. Pride's ungrateful. It takes everyone and everything for granted. Why? Because I'm entitled. So pride is entitled. I'm ent- We're, right now, there's a generation more entitled than any other generation. That's pride. Where did that come from? Oh, it's all to do with the parents and how the parents raised them. See, and they need a counter with God. They need a counter with God that brings a, hum- a humbling and dependency on God. So let me quickly give you the, the benefits. What, what we stand to gain by clothing ourselves with humility. And it, it just some amazing things. Number one, humility attracts the presence of God. It's attractive to God. He draws, in Isaiah 57, 15, it says, he dwells with him who's a humble spirit and a contrite heart. Uh, It's the foundation for power. In Luke 4, verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. But how did he get that power? Well, he humbled himself and submitted to John the Baptist's ministry, and he submitted to being baptized when he didn't need to be baptized, and he prayed, which is humbling yourself, dependent on God, and he fasted, which is humbling yourself, and he resisted the devil. That's why he got the power. See, what people want to do now, oh, bring a supernaturally anointed. And I'll come to the meeting, maybe, just one. Busy, really, that way. And what we'll do is, he will lay hands on me and pray for me, and suddenly everything will shift in my life. And well, that's nonsense. What you need to do is come hungry for an encounter with God, bearing in mind that God's got someone there who can change your thinking and impart to you what will needed to get you to move forward. 
It's all how we treat this, all how we deal with it. See, so, so uh, humility is, is a foundation for authority. You want authority to beat the devil? The Bible says submit to God, resist the devil. So you have to submit or yield or surrender, which means humbling yourself. Huh? Uh, here's another thing. Uh, Proverbs 3 verse 4 tells us that uh, humility will attract favor with God and men. Jesus grew in favor with God and men. How did he do that? He submitted to his parents. Not very popular, these things, you see. They go against the culture. And so we've got to take on God's culture. So you want favor? Well, you either have to work hard to impress people or you follow God's way and favor is the result. It's something God gives you. When you have a humble heart or a serving heart, you'd be amazed how many doors open up for you. When you're proud, it's how many, amazing how many close to you. People don't want to be around you because they don't like being with you. See, how did I get this far in Asia? It's the favor of God coming and giving me favor with men. Joseph, even though he's a prisoner, had favor with men. You want to really succeed? You need favor. Favor gives you access. I have access into the top pop stars. And get this. I was at a meal just recently. And the second top pop star in Asia is playing the piano singing songs for us. And one of the major opera sing singers, he's also singing songs to us. And the, one of the wealthiest bankers there is providing hospitality. Now, how do you get access to that favor? You have to, have a, you have to be humble. You have to put on humility. So whatever God's taken you through to develop humility is because he wants to add favor to you with him and with man. Here's another thing. Uh, uh, um, uh, humility will accelerate your learning. It tells us in Proverbs 1 verse 5, they said, if you have a heart to listen, that's humility, then you'll increase learning. So we need humility will show up by listening. Do I listen to people? Do I see people as having something to add to me? Or do I see people as something I need to use to get somewhere? Or I need to do something to them. See, everyone has a story. And this man opened up his heart and uh, shared with me. I just, he, he, I asked him to share his story. And he said, really, it's going to take a little while. You got the time? I said, sure, I got the time. I'll listen to you. And, and as a result of being able to affirm him and, and, and help him, he opened up everything. And then I learned a lot about him. I learned why he was so successful. 100 restaurants plus. Mm. Huge chain of restaurants. How did you get that successful? Well, he told me. Hey. Okay then, so what else? See, it's a requirement for relationship. You want to walk with God? Develop a humble heart. Micah 6, 8. He has shown thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee, but to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. See, walk humbly. See? And finally, it brings promotion. Proverbs 18, verse 12. Promotion comes from the Lord. James, it says, and Peter says the same thing. This is what Peter said. If you'll humble yourself under the hand of God, in due time, he will lift you up. You see, this is the thing. Imagine if you didn't have to worry about getting ahead anymore. Would that not be brilliant? We see, the reason we worry about getting ahead is because we've taken it on ourselves to fight our way ahead and come into a competitive posture with everyone else. But what if we were to say, actually, all that really counts is my honoring God with my life and fulfilling the assignment he gave to me, and I'm willing to do that, then God will get you ahead. It's the only way it works. So the grace of God comes to those with a humble spirit. 
those, he said, now God will, you clothe yourself with humility and God will pour out grace. God will pour out power where he sees a humble heart, a hungry heart, a heart that says, God, I can't do it by myself. Paul wrote, he said, oh, it's too hard, Lord. He said, I'm despairing of life. But God says, my grace shows itself best when you're at your weakest. I found Christians quit when they're at their weakest and that could have been their finest hour. It could have been the hour when they showed off the glory of God and instead they quit. How sad. That's why whenever something is happening and life is hard and everything and you wants to quit, you just don't quit. You humble yourself and come into God. Say, God, what do you want to teach me? God, where do I need to change? What do I need to learn? How should I handle the situation? And God speaks and gives you revelation and you walk it out and that becomes your finest hour. Amen. I want to just have an opportunity for people to respond today and open their hearts. Why don't we all stand together right now? I believe God wants to touch people, wants to minister to people, help people, wants to bring a breakthrough. If we're going to see more of God, let's let less of ourselves, eh? Less of me, more of Him. Less of me, more of Him. Okay then. Well, how many knew someone that needed to hear this? You can recognise them quite. How many knew lots of people? Yeah, yeah, I knew, I knew it would be like that. I could think of lots of people too. But mostly I thought of me. And I went before the Lord and I knelt and said, God, forgive me for these ways I've demonstrated pride. I need your grace. That's how you walk with God. And it's not just once on a Sunday. It's every day. God, today, if I'm to represent you and bring honour to you, I need your presence and power. If there's anything in me, grieves your spirit. Show me. Holy Spirit, I don't want to grieve you or quench you. I need your supernatural ability. See, day by day by day, and gradually it becomes a lifestyle walking humbly with God. It starts with prayer. It starts when you see your need and build an altar. Why don't we just, I want to just make room now if there's people here today and you need to repent of pride. Some of those things you say, oh, that's in my life. Why don't you just call it what it is? God, this is pride. I focused on myself for all sorts of reasons, but I come and humbly repent before you today. Perhaps there's some today and you're needing God to give you a breakthrough. Come and humble yourself and admit that you have that need. Say, God, I can't do it on my own, but I believe you give grace to the humble. So I humble myself before. See, God's on your side. He wants you to succeed. God wants to give you favour. He wants to promote you. He wants to advance you. He wants to bless you. Mostly, He wants your life to honour Him. And so anyone that honours Him, He will honour. And when God honours you, then people notice. Why don't you come? Why don't you come right now and say, God, I know we're in a new season in the church. I know there's things in my life are manifesting right now. I'm, I'm grumpy. I've got bad attitudes. I've got all sorts of things I'm saying that I shouldn't be saying. But God, I, I just want to humble myself. And perhaps, you know, if you're a man and you know there's pride and perhaps you're harsh towards your wife or towards women or got a bit of an arrogant attitude, just condescending attitude. Uh, or perhaps it can be cultural. You know, within our culture, you know, whites can have an attitude towards um, Polynesians, Polynesians towards white people. That's all called pride. See, even, even tribal groups can have attitudes to one another. It's all called pride. I'm superior. See, 
we, we can have it in all kinds of arenas. Rich people can think and look down on poor people. Poor people can despise rich people. See, it's a human condition. And the only way to deal with it is to repent. The characteristic of the kingdom of darkness is pride. It says in Job 41, the last verse, it says, the king, they said, the Leviathan is the king or the, the king that rules over the sons of pride. I don't want to be a son of pride. I don't have demons ruling over me. I want to be humble before God. When, when people humble themselves and turn from their ways, God hears and heals. So I don't know what it is. Maybe it's an offense you're carrying. Whatever it is, just while there's a worship flow right now, why don't you just do business with God and just start to repent, start to confess to Him the ways pride has shown itself in your life, the, the way you're crying out to God for a breakthrough. To get that breakthrough, is there any area you need to humble yourself? Is there any part you've played in the problem being there that you need to own and to deal with? Just let's do it before God right now. Let's do it before the Lord and we'll let people come and lay hands on you to pray in agreement for God's power to touch your life. We need the grace of God. We need the grace of God for this next season. We need the grace of God for tomorrow. I need the grace of God every day. I need it just to keep walking with God. I need it to stop resting on the past. I need it to keep me passionate. I need it to help me deal with issues. I need it to help me understand the Word of God. When you approach the Bible, God, I don't understand. Holy Spirit, help me. Teach me. See, that's what humility looks like. Lord, I'm feeling weak here inside. I don't know how to handle this. Holy Spirit, help me. So wherever you need to repent, let's just say, God, I'm so sorry. I see pride in my heart. If we were honest, we'd say it was in our family too. It was perhaps in your father or your mother and you've just repeated the same sin. You say, God, I repent of that generational thing. And I come before you, humbly before you. Humility is not right down like a groveling person. Humility says, I'm agreeing with God. God loves me. God spent a huge amount on me to get me sorted out at the cross. So I'm going to agree with God. I'm a child of God and His grace is given to those who humble themselves. Just talk to the Lord right now. Okay, I want you to lead us into worship. As we get into a time of worship, then what we're going to do is lay hands on people. Thank you, Lord. Father, pour out your Spirit. Pour out your anointing. Come and touch people. Come and help us, Lord. Where we're burdened, where we feel overwhelmed, we want to cast our cares on you. We want to open our heart and humble ourselves before you. You care for us. Lord, forgive us for believing you didn't care. Forgive us for holding in our heart doubt about your goodness. Forgive us for being independent, for being resistant to you and resistant to people. Forgive us for proud attitudes, haughty spirit. Forgive us for critical words. Forgive us, Lord, for being defensive. Forgive us, Lord, for being offended by people, offended by You even. Lord, forgive us for harboring the things in our heart which hinder us. Father, forgive us for promoting ourselves and causing grief to those around us. Father, forgive us for selfishness and being lack of gratitude and taking everyone and anyone for granted. 
Forgive us for despising younger ones. Forgive us for despising men and women. Father, forgive us. Lord, come, pour your spirit out. If some pastors and leaders come, just lay hands on people. Thank you, Lord. Come on, church, let's just flow into worship as we finish now.